put your hands together and give a real good welcome to our favorite evangelists, Sharon and Rudy Swanepoel. God bless you, Sharon, as you come. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. It's wonderful to be here with you wonderful folks who are hardy to endure all the coldness. Hallelujah. And we're springing forward, jumping forward. So spring is in the air. Praise the name of the Lord. Even though we don't see it yet, we believe it because we walk by faith and not by sight. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Yes. Uh, these, my daffodils have started in Georgia just to give you hope. Hallelujah. You know, it's, it's, it's so wonderful to be a child of the Lord and to be um, in the kingdom of God and to be able to know the Lord and His goodness and His mercy and His loving kindness that never fails and to know that with Him we are more than conquerors, to know that we're on the winning team, to know that He is all that we need. And, um, you know, I, I don't know about you, but when I think of my life and the, the, the testimonies of God's faithfulness, you know, I think that's what this morning is all about, that how, how we can trade in all of our brokenness and all of our distresses for God's wonders and His love and His mercy and His compassion and His grace, because there is a divine trade-off that He wants you to have in your life this morning. I remember about two years ago, uh, Rudy's dad had just gone to be with the Lord. He, he, he passed away from, from uh, stage four um, cancer. And um, we had gone to South Africa and spent uh, 10 days, uh, I guess two weeks with him. And the last 10 days he was in hospice care in South Africa. And I remember us returning, we had obligations, we had to come back, and we came back just before um, Rudy's dad passed away, and the Sunday morning, we, we woke up the Sunday morning, six o'clock in the morning, Rudy woke up and, and received the news that his dad had passed and gone to be with the Lord. And he got up to, to preach a message, and, and, and I think he'll, he'll be preaching it this morning to you all. And, um, and 30 people came to Christ that morning. The pastor said to us that he'd, he'd never seen any one of them before. And as I was sitting there, it's like I heard, I, I heard these bells ringing and, and all of a sudden I saw this vision of Rudy's dad arriving in heaven and this, this big celebration taking place and Rudy's dad was just getting checked in, just settling in and he was saying, what's going on? And they said, oh, your son just preached a message and 36 people came to Christ. And you know, when I told Rudy that, the two of us wept and we were just, we, we, we were just blessed in our spirit all at the same time. Because you know, that's when joy and sorrows meet. When, when the joy of salvation becomes your reality, then the sorrows that even you, you go through and pass through in life are but a shadow because of the, the joy that there is knowing Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And life is, is life eternal when we find Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much. Hallelujah.
is a place of quiet stillness between the light and shadows reach where the hurting and the hopeless seek everlasting peace words of men and songs of angels whisper comfort bittersweet mending grief and life eternal where joy and sorrows meet there is a place where hope remains in crowns of thorns and crimson stains and tears that fall on Jesus feet where joy and sorrows And the weary will retreat Full of grace and mercy tender In times of unbelief For the wounded there is healing Strength is given to the weak And broken hearts Find love redeeming Where joy and sorrows meet There is a place Where hope remains In crowns of thorns And in crimson stains And tears that fall On Jesus' feet Where joy and sorrows meet Where the roots of faith grow deep And there is rain and sounds of thunder When the road is so rough and steep And there is hope in desperation There is victory in defeat It's
Praise the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. This is a place where joy and sorrow will meet today. This is a place where sinner and Savior meet. This is a place where brokenness and wholeness get together. This is a place of turnaround. This is a place of anointing. This is a place where Jesus is ready to touch your heart. Do you believe that? Turn to someone and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible is very clear. Jesus said, cast your cares and your burdens upon me because I care for you. That's an action. He did not just say, commit it in your thoughts to me. He used the word cast or cast. Throw it off. Exchange it. Lay it down. It's all actions. And God wants to see our faith actions. And many times people ask, how can I do that? Well, one of the most wonderful ways to do just that is through worship. Because when you worship the Lord, your eyes are fixed on Jesus and you lay it down. That care, that burden, that struggle, that question, that, that, that broken part of you, that shatteredness, you can lay it down. And so I'm going to ask you, let's stand to our feet just for a moment. And during the next minute or two, will you actively lay down? Will you actively cast it down and cast away onto Jesus your care, your burden, your sorrow, your fear, your challenge, whatever you're facing today as we worship His mighty name? Let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich Let the blind say I can see That's what the Lord has done in me Let the weak say I am strong Let the poor say I am rich Let the blind say I that's what the Lord has done in me. Hosanna, Hosanna to the Lamb that was slain. Hosanna, Hosanna, Jesus died, but He rose again. Yeah. 
our cares and our burdens unto you. Lord, every sickness, let it be healed in Jesus' name. Every brokenness, make it whole in Jesus' name. Lord, pick up every piece of a shattered life and put it back together again. For your word says, you are the one that heals broken hearts. You set the captives free. God, you declare deliverance to those who are bound. You bring a forgiveness to sin. You're the only one and we give you glory. We pray have your will, have your way in this place. We open our hearts. We receive all that heaven has from you this morning and onwards. We thank you in Jesus' mighty and holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Turn to someone and say, smile. Jesus loves you. And then you may be seated. Hallelujah. Early this morning while I was praying, I asked the Lord a question concerning this church and the ministries, the leadership here. And, and uh, this is what I said. I said, Lord, what do you want us to share with the people of this house? And um, God started sharing some things with me and I, I typed it out because uh, I value what God says. And I wanted to just release this unto you as an encouragement from the Lord this morning. He said, son, prepare them for a new spiritual season. For time, a time of increase and blessing with a fresh soul harvest that will take the people of this house to the very next level. See, for I'm stirring the hearts of my people. For what I am doing is a heart thing and a spirit thing. Even old heads will receive new and young hearts, says the Lord. For pa the passion and the fervor of my kingdom will burn deeply within the people of this house. And it will spur them on to greater heights in me. So encourage them to engage and to connect. To involve themselves with my plan and actions like never before. 
to allow my spirit to stir my vision and purpose in their souls. Challenge them to act in faith and not in sight only, for that will define their next season as a spiritual breakthrough time instead of a natural time of progression. And to my servants say, you are boldly leading my people upward towards that what I have showed you and have birthed in your hearts. See, for your passion and your faith are contagious and will help many more to walk on higher ground. As your eyes are fixed on me, your feet will step with mine, says the Lord. See, for I will meet every challenge with my solutions, every obstacle with my power, and every need with my blessing, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. We want to be part of what God is doing, even in the new season that He's leading the church in. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Just before we're going to, uh, or I'm going to preach the message that God has laid on my heart this morning, I want to share with you um, just a video, real quick video about what God has been doing. It's been two years since we've been here and um, want to just uh, show you something of the Seek and Save project. It is a project where Sharon's been writing these children's books, The Adventures of Seek and Save. This is the newest missions copy. And uh, we have actually distributed 99,000 of these in the hands of public schools um, and uh, 10,000 here in America, not in public schools, but in children everywhere. And, uh, you know, we're happy to report over 65,000 have given their hearts, actually given their hearts connected to Jesus in these meetings. We give God all the glory. And uh, so rejoice with us as you watch and see what this project is all about and the souls that are coming to Christ. Safe project. How did it all begin? I have always had a passion to see the lost come to Christ. And I asked the Lord to give me a concept to be able to share His glorious gospel with the people around the world. And one day I heard the Lord say to me, you will write children's books. Based upon the concept of Luke 19 verse 10, that Jesus, the Son of Man, has come to seek and save those who are lost. We have seen multiple tens of thousands of children around the world committing their lives to Christ Jesus. And to God be the glory for all that He has done. The continents of the world are crying out. And at this moment we are setting our sights on Africa, on India, and on the Americas. I 
ask you to partner with us. We have an urgency in our hearts for the children of the world to know that Jesus loves them, that, that He died for them, that He gave His everything for them, that He has come to seek and to save them. is how the Seek and Save project all began. But in retrospect, I think it all began with Jesus hanging on the cross, coming into the world to seek and save us who were lost. And we are just continuing His legacy to do what He has come to do, to seek and save the lost. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I ask your forgiveness. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? Thousands of souls are coming in. Pray for us. This year we're going back to Tanzania in, in August. Um, we we want to print 30,000 of these books and in the mornings go into the public schools and in the evenings do an open-air crusade. And we're expecting tens of thousands to come to Jesus in one week. And uh, then we also, just a, a couple, um, last month, we received an invitation from Hulda Pantane. She said, uh, tell that, she said to Pastor Randy Valamon in Georgia, tell that lady with the, that speaks funny. <laughs> that's, that's what she said. She said, tell her to bring Seek and Save to India. And now just to go, we have to have 32,000 books because that's how many children are in their schools alone. And then we can go further. So pray for us. Doors are opening up and we thank God. Listen, it's a way to turn our dollars into souls. And we thank God for bringing people into the kingdom by the thousands. This is harvest time, folks. And we thank the Lord. Take your Bibles, if you would. Go to the book of Luke. Luke 7.11. Luke 7.11. We're going to 7.11. Hallelujah. But we're going to eat living bread or drink living water and eat the bread of life. I want to mention to you Sharon's new CD, Secret Place, is available after the meeting at the, at the, the, the front uh, foyer, as well as the deluxe version of Seek and Save is available with some other ministry resources as well. I want to speak to you about stepping into victory. Stepping into victory. I believe God has prepared a season of victory for each and every one of us. Uh, and, and you and I need to position ourselves and step into victory. Turn to someone and say, watch where you step. Hallelujah. That's, that's very important. So let's read from verse 11. Uh, uh, and I'm reading out of the Amplified Translation. He says, soon afterward, say afterward. I like the accents over here, but over there, not so. Say afterward. 
Oh, that's much better. Praise the Lord. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nyan. Say Nyan. And his disciples and a great throng accompanied him. Say great throng. Look at what's happening here. We have a procession led by the Son of God, led by Jesus. And how many of you know God is not a God that leads us nowhere? God always has plan and purpose connected to what he does. He leads them and they are following. Now, you have to understand what's happening here. The disciples is supposed to follow Jesus. You could expect them in the gathering. But the Bible speaks of a great throng of people accompanied him. They did not just follow him because it felt good. No, it's because of what he has done in their lives. Come on now. They saw the miracles. Some of them may have eaten from the five loaves and two fishes. They may have heard of how he walked on water. Uh, besides, last time he went into Jericho, he opened the blind man's eyes. He heals the lepers. With Jesus, it's like a miracle a day keeps the devil away. Hallelujah. There's excitement. Stuff happens around Jesus, especially when he walks into town. The Bible says he went into Bethsaida and he healed Peter's mother-in-law. I mean, stuff happens with Jesus and they're all excited, literally following him because he's coming to a town again. They may have asked, what do you think he's going to do next? Oh, turn to someone and say, God's about to do something. Look at this now. They're going to a place called Nyan. So I want to know where is he leading them to? And I looked up the word Nyan because it's New Testament. It's written in Greek. So I looked up the word Nyan in the Greek language. And you know what it means? It means beauty. Aren't you glad that Jesus leads us to beauty and not ugly? Oh, that's just the way the God that we serve is. He leads us to beauty. Listen, His destiny for your life is a place of beauty. Praise the Lord. It's a beautiful destiny. It's a beautiful purpose. He will not lead you into, into travesty. He will not lead you to tragedy. He will not take you to broken places. He wants to take you to a place of beauty. But then I delved a little bit deeper. Because the word Nyan has a Hebrew origin. It's actually an Old Testament word. And the Hebrew uh, origin of this word literally means a home or green pastures. And that caused something to jump in me. Think about it. He's leading them to the place of green pastures. Suddenly I thought, wait a second, we have here in Luke 7, 11, a fulfillment of Psalm 23. Oh, you're not getting this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lay down in green pastures. Hallelujah. He, he leads me to Nyan. Here it is. Turn to someone and say, meh. Jesus, our shepherd, is leading him. That makes us his sheep. And friends, just, just so you know, there's no better place for a shepherd to lead his sheep than to green pastures. Green pastures is the ultimate 
abundant blessing you can get. The sheep does not want to be cooped up in a pen, eating dry straw, drinking murky water. They want to be out on the green pastures where the food is so abundant you can lay down in it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's where the flock multiplies. That's where the lambs frolic. And church, that's where God is leading us to. Hallelujah. He's leading them to Nyan, the place of beauty, the green pastures. And a whole procession is coming. But now let's read verse 12. Are you getting something out of this? Just as he drew near the gate of the town, say gate of the town. Behold, a man who had died was being carried out. Say out. Say died. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Say widow. And a large gathering from the town was accompanying her. Say large gathering. Here in this section, we don't have one procession, we have two. We have the folks, the large gathering, the throng of people following Jesus in excitement to the place of beauty. They're the sheep, he's the shepherd, they're going to green pastures. You gotta understand, they're walking through the desert to the promised land. They're coming, they're about to enter the destination. They're coming to the gate of the town. On the other hand, there's another procession in, procession in the opposite direction. Jesus is leading this way. This one's going the other way. Jesus is leading them in. This one is leading them out. Now, this procession was a funeral procession. There was nothing glad about it. There was just sorrow and brokenness and hurt and pain and tragedy. Is that tra- Thank you, honey, that one. It was just sad. The Bible says this was a procession that was led by death. This, on the other hand, is a procession that's led by life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the This procession is led by the only son of a widow woman who died. This procession is led by the only begotten son of Almighty God, Heavenly Father, who is alive. You're still not getting it. Um, This one leads you away from beauty. This one leads you out of the will of God. Listen... A funeral is not planned. A funeral is not really celebrated. We celebrate the life of a saint because we know that they're not really dead. They're really alive. But a funeral procession is is where tears are shed. It just happens. It's, It's something that's not voluntary. Come on now. Nobody volunteers for this. It happens. It's part of life. And it's, 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 it's quite the opposite of life, should I say. It's death. You don't plan for it, but it happens. There's some of you sitting here. And you're going through the struggle of your life. 
You're going through a situation where you feel like, God, I'm not stepping towards what you're calling me, but I'm actually gravitating away from it. It feels to me like beauty is behind me and sorrow is before me. It feels to me that the green pastures of abundance is, is, is somewhere in my past and I'm, I'm going into desert season. I'm here to speak to you today. God is about to turn things around in your life because Jesus loves you. You know, I was thinking about humanity and I was thinking about the problems we face and, and the things that we go through. And, and the Bible is very clear. He says the wages of sin is death. And then I, I found in, in the book of Romans a, a verse that attaches itself to each one of us. That's applicable to every human being. He says, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you know, because of our sin, because of our wickedness, because of the way we are, we're forced into this procession. Where our sin, the source of our death, is leading us astray. We're like sheep without a shepherd. We're bewildered, harassed, distressed. And if our sin gets the better of us, we'll live in the wilderness forever. Death leads us out. My Bible says Jesus is the only one that can forgive our sins. He's the only one that can turn things around. And yet we have this, this two processions, this dichotomy, this, this collision, if you would. Now look at this. The gate of the town is a very important place. It's the boundary line of the city. When Jesus came to the gate of the town, it was like one more step and they're in. One more step and they are there. One more step and they've made it to where He leads them. Hallelujah. One more step and they step into beauty, into the green pastures. They're at the gate of the town. They've come all this way. One more step is all it's going to take. And they're there. I believe there are some of you, you've been following Jesus diligently. You've been, you've been, you've been going after him and you've been holding on to the promises and the prophetic words and, and the word of God. I'm here to encourage you. You're but a step away from a new season. Hallelujah. You, you're about to step into something beautiful, something glorious. Do you believe that? Hallelujah. On the other hand, in the other procession, one more step means it's a step of death. One more step and you're out of the will of God. One more step and you're, you leave the beauty behind you and you step into ugly. One more step and you're in the desert instead of within the town limits. Folks, let me make a, make a declaration what God spoke to me in my heart. Your next step will determine where you spend your next season. I'm going to say that again. Your next step, even the, the step you take today, will determine where you spend the next 
spiritual season of your life? Will it be in a place of beauty? Will it be following Jesus in abundance, in green pastures? Or will it be in the desert at an empty tomb with mourning and sorrow and brokenness? Your choice. Watch where you step. Can I ask you in which procession are you participating in? Are you following Jesus or are you following circumstance? Are you a product of the living God, a saint that once was a sinner, but now you're free? Or are you still wrapped up in the circumstances and the cares and the sin of this world? Your next step will determine where you spend your next season. Look at this now, verse 13. And when the Lord saw her, say saw, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Oh, I love this. Of all the people Jesus could have focused on, friends, he could have focused on his disciples and gave them a two thumbs up and said, you're following me well. We're almost there. One more step, guys. Hallelujah. He could have focused on his crowd or something else. But you know, he, what caught his attention was the woman with the biggest broken heart in town. The one with the greatest need. The one that has lost everything. Because the Bible says, we don't know her name. The Bible simply calls her a widow. That tells me this is not the first time that she's walked this road. A time before her husband passed away. And so she knows exactly the end result of this procession she's involved in. She's going into the desert and she's leaving her son behind. He's not coming back. There's no turning back. As a matter of fact, in biblical times, according to the Hebrew law, a funeral procession could not be stopped. Once it started, it ends in the funeral itself. Death had to be handled with protocol. You cannot just touch someone that died, then you're unclean. It was a very, very specific situation. She's in an unstoppable, untouchable situation. Some of you are feeling that this cycle of defeat, it's not the first loss, it's not the second loss, it's over and over and over and over, and life is overwhelming. Friend, listen to me. Jesus sees you. He is focused on you today. You are not invisible to God. You're not a mere number. My Bible says that you have been called by name. You belong to Jesus. You do not belong to circumstances. Your life will not be marred by the history of brokenness and shame. He sees you today. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. But I've got even better news. He does not just see you. He feels you. This word compassion is much more than feeling. The compassion really is connected to God. How many of you know man can sympathize, but God has compassion? There's a big difference. Let me tell you about the difference. Uh, sympathy gets you encouragement from people, a pat on the back, and Kleenex in your hand. It has value, believe me. 
Sharon mentioned the loss of my father and the, the, the difficulty we went through. It was probably the most agonizing season of my life. And you know what? Many, many folks sent me an email or a, a Facebook message or called me and said, hey, we're praying for you. We're standing with you. They empathized. They sympathized with us. And you know what? It had value. It, 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 it touched my heart. But you know what? What got me through the loss was not the sympathy of man. It was the compassion of Almighty God. There are certain things that only the compassion of God can get you through. There's a time when you don't need Kleenex in your hand. You need a miracle in your heart. Jesus had compassion. This is a word used in the New Testament only 13 times. And every time this word is connected to Jesus, a miracle ensued. It's, it's almost like when it says he had compassion, God is setting them up for a miracle. When the word compassion, spaglitzomai, is used, oh, watch out, a miracle is coming. Hallelujah. He sees her, he feels her. And look at, look at, look at how, the, what's the first manifestation of God's compassion? He says to her, do not weep. This was not a request, it was a command. In the imperative, do not weep. Well, Jesus, what else is she going to do? She's lost everything. There's no other appropriate emotion she can muster but to weep. And here, the word says he has compassion. That's, that's some way to show compassion. Do not weep. He could have just as well said, stop weeping. Now, most of us would probably be offended in that situation. But what was God doing here? He was showing compassion. How? He was prophetically aligning her emotions for the next moment of her life. Uh, that went over. Let me, let me explain to you what I mean. Our emotions attach us to the brokenness of, of what has been. For days now, and for, let's say, hours, we don't know how long, for many hours, since the loss of her son, she's been weeping, her emotions were attached to the brokenness, and it kept her in the place of sorrow, defeat, and failure, what has happened. And so she's reflecting, and tears are coming. Jesus wants to cut her loose of the sorrow and the pain of yesterday, and connect her to the joy which is about to happen. You see, when he did the miracle, if she was still crying, her crying would be superfluous. Her crying, her, she would be emotionally in a bad place. The Bible says, sorrow lasts for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I want to speak over your life. The sun has risen. It's the dawn of a new morning. Don't let last night's sorrow drag into a new day. Be emotionally aligned prophetically. Let your emotions be a prophetic act of what you believe God is about to do in your life. Hallelujah. Turn to someone and say, wake up, the good part's starting. Do not weep. 
Verse 14, look at this now. And he, that's Jesus, went forward. That's the general direction he always leads us in. Forward. How many of you want to go forward? Follow Jesus. Hallelujah. He went forward and he touched the funeral buyer. Say touched. And the pallbearers stood still. Oh, this is Jesus. He stops the unstoppable and he touches the untouchable. Oh, he's not. Listen, listen, listen. He should not be doing this. God, the protocol, remember the law? Well, Jesus came to fulfill the law. Hallelujah. For all practical purposes, this is unstoppable. It's inevitable. It's done deal. It's too late. It's over. It's done with. And that's what the devil is whispering in your heart about your marriage, about your emotions, about your relations, about everything in your life. Well, stop that thinking because Jesus is going to touch your untouchable situation and he will stop the unstoppable in Jesus name that which was going away out of the will of God he stops Man, now look at what he does and he said to the young man he said, young man, I say to you, arise. No way. Jesus speaks to the dead guy. Nobody else thought to speak to the dead guy. He's dead. It's too late. It's over. Why should anybody speak to the dead guy? Dead guy cannot listen. Well, tell that to Lazarus. Young man, arise. We find Jesus elsewhere in the Bible speaking to <laughs> the fig tree. And it obeyed. Speaking to the wind. And it ceased. I didn't know the fig tree and the wind had ears. But what I've come to know about Jesus and his words, they cannot be ignored. When he speaks, things are. He created with the sound of his voice. Folks, when God speaks, everything listens. Maybe it's time that you and I should speak more. Maybe we're too silent. Maybe we're too busy grieving about our brokenness, feeling guilty about our sin. The Bible says if you confess your sin, he will forgive you. If you start addressing your brokenness, if you start speaking life into it, listen, don't beat your dead dream until it's died a second time. Speak life over it. Don't turn your back to a failed marriage. Speak life. Speak, release the words of Jesus. You know what? Jesus, in this instance, did not have a lot of words. He did not speak in paragraphs. One word was enough. And that word had resurrection power. Some of you are waiting for a detailed explanation, double-spaced, minimum of 300 words from God as to why you're going through what you're going through. Unless He gives you that, you will not follow Him. How sad. All you need is one word. Don't ask why. Just get me out of here, Lord. Just fix. 
what is broken. Heal what needs healing. Forgive what needs forgiveness. Get me beyond where I'm at. One word, he says, arise. Now, this is a powerful Greek word that I looked up again, and it's got two meanings. A literal and a figurative meaning. We cannot apply this word literally because literally this word means arise from the dead. In all the vocabulary of the Greek language, this was the right one to use. Arise from the dead. Well, there's nobody dead in this building right now. If in the next few moments one would die, we would use this word vigorously with faith and then call 911 to verify the miracle. Because <laughs> we'll apply it literally. Because that's what we would need. But since we're, nobody's died, we cannot apply it literally. We need to look at the figurative meaning of this word, arise. It's just as powerful as the literal meaning. Jesus used this, he said, arise. Three things about the figurative meaning of the word arise here in this context. It means arise from obscurity, arise from inactivity, and arise from ruin. That's what this word means. And I believe this is what God is speaking over our lives today. Arise from obscurity. What is obscurity? Well, it, be, it means to be marginalized. It means to be pushed to the side. The enemy wants to push you to the fringes of faith and not stand in the center of God's will for your life. He wants your, your life to have little but, or no meaning. He wants to, to devalue you, push you to the side this way and that way. And you never feel part of something. Oh, you never feel in it you feel on the side of it a side issue listen your life to god is not a side issue you are more valuable to him than a mere side issue he doesn't want you to live in the obscure regions of faith he wants you to step in the center of his will he wants you to stand in the word of god hallelujah he wants you to know the truth because the truth will set you free it's time you arise from obscurity in the name of jesus Stand for what God has called you. Don't be ashamed or any other way. Just say, God, here I am. Second meaning, arise from inactivity. Too many people sit on their blessed assurance waiting for heaven to happen. Life is more than waiting for heaven. You were not just saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ to wait for heaven to happen. We have a mission, folks. Church of the living God, we are to be Jesus to the world. We're His hand extended. We need to be carrying a message of hope in a hopeless world. We need to show the scars of our problems now healed <laughs> by the grace of God. We need to be able to say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. We need to... Arise from inactivity. We're so easily manipulated and intimidated by the world when it comes to our faith. I used this example before in, in one of the services. I want to share this with you as well. We, we check into our, our luggage into the, the, one of the airports. We fly a lot. And so we have big bags, 70-pound bags. We travel with a lot of stuff 
all Sharon's clothes. I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Bad evangelist. Ministry resources, our office, everything goes with us. And so the 70-pound bag is on the scale. It's right on the money, 70 pounds. Hallelujah. We just, they allow us 70 pounds without paying extra. Praise God. And so the heavy tag is being put on. And the, the attendant, a lady, well-meaning lady, she, she tried to lift that 70-pound bag off the scale. She couldn't move it. And this is what she said, and I quote, what is in the suitcase? Jesus Christ. Sharon, without skipping a beat, says, Oh no, ma'am, Jesus is too big. He cannot fit in that bag. But I do carry him in my heart. Hallelujah. Woo, glory. You see, you can be affectious. You can impact someone's life in any way, shape, or form. Because God has called us, Arise from inactivity. And speak a word of hope and glory into someone's life. Finally, this means arise from ruin. Too many people live in the ruins of yesterday. A ruin speaks of what was glorious and grand before, but has fell in disrepair. We visited Pompeii, the ruined city where Vesuvius exploded and erupted the volcano in Italy. Many, 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 many years ago. And uh, they told us this is a great tourist site, an archaeological site. You've got to go. So we went. And we were all ready to go. And, and the archaeologist, she said, oh, we're going we're gonna to go you, take you several places. First stop the stadium. And she bragged about this. She said, this stadium is more infamous than uh, the Colosseum in Rome because more Christians died here and was, 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 was murdered and martyred for their faith in this stadium. And I stood there. It's a dilapidated structure. It's filled with vines and dust. And I mean, hardly could picture this was a stadium. It's ruins. I was not impressed, so I said, whoop de do." She said, oh, no, 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 don't worry about it. We'll take you to something better. The marketplace where everything in this city happened took us to the marketplace. I could hardly recognize the structure. It's, it's dilapidated, build, uh, ruins, ruins. You, 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 you needed a vivid imagination to see anything have happened there. Then they said, okay, we left the best for lost. We're taking you to the best preserved structure in town. We walked in. There are some frescas that's cracked and so on, but at least you could see something on there on the walls, three walls. And I thought, well, um, you know, this is interesting. Best preserved structure. I said, what was this? Oh, it was the brothel. I said, get me out of this place. Go figure the best preserved ruin in town, the brothel. You see, when you live in ruins, you have to have a vivid imagination. And people imagine their lives of yesteryear much better than what it is now. The good old days. And listen, it's more of your imagination than reality, folks. Don't live in the ruins of yesterday. It's a reason it's ruined. Something calamitous has happened. 
I'm so glad my Bible says when Jesus said to his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me as you believed in the Father. Then he says, in my Father's house there's many mansions, not ruins. Turn to someone and say, now that's what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Jesus is not preparing ruins for us, but mansions. Hallelujah. He doesn't want you to live in spiritual ruin. He wants you to live in spiritual prosperity and abundance in the mansion of God. And I'm speaking spiritually, metaphorically, and physically if you want. Hallelujah. Whatever your faith allows you to. He leads you to green pastures, the place of beauty. Now let me say this, and with it, I'm going to close with a testimony. The devil will do his level best to get you in the procession of the funeral. To get you to follow circumstance. To get you to run after death instead of life. But son, daughter of God, you can always choose to be following Jesus. You know, when my dad got sick, he was a saint to me. He taught me everything I knew. Tithing. Tithing, he, he taught me. And I can go on and on and on about what he meant to me and all of that stuff. But you know what? When he got sick with cancer, the first thing I thought, of all the people in this world, he's the last one to deserve any of this. Never been sick in his whole life, ever. And suddenly, he's within a few months close to death's door. We believed God. Listen, we've prayed for many, 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 many people with cancer and they're healed. We've prayed for someone with MS in Philadelphia completely healed. I mean, just amazing, medically proven things. So do you think we did not pray? We prayed, especially those last 10 days when he was in hospice care. I probably prayed for him a hundred times a day. He knew many pastors. He, he actually was some pastor's social security. Because he funded them after they retired. I said, God, you cannot take this man. Not yet. We need another 10, 15, 20 years. You know how it is. And we're praying and we're believing. And, 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 and he's in hospice care. Two beds in a room. He's closest to the door. And another man on the other side of the curtain is laying. He's even further along than my dad. His life's hanging in the balance. He's, he's at death's door. His name is Albert Wilkes. We found out later he's a resolute atheist. He said when he checked in, he said, I don't want a priest. I don't want a pastor. I don't believe in God. I want nobody praying for me. I want nothing to do with religion or anything like that. I just want to die alone. How many of you know a curtain is not very thick? <laughs> there was not one day in the 10 days we were there that I witnessed that some or other pastor has not come and we had church around my dad's bed. We sang hymns, songs, prophesied, prayed, read the word of God daily, continually. <laughs> and Albert Wilkes was dying on the other side of the curtain. Make a long story short. He was so precarious that Sharon went out into the into the into the garden area just to cry a little bit and just clear her mind and her heart be with Jesus in the garden. Well, Albert's daughter was sitting smoking and crying in the garden. 
Sharon walked up to her and said, yeah, you know, in these times we can just turn to Jesus. She cried. She said, I, I wish that was true. My dad is a resolute atheist. He wants nothing to do with God. She says, I don't live the life, but at least I know you can try and live without Jesus, but you certainly cannot die without him. When we heard that, we started praying like never before through the curtain. Through the curtain, there's a soul on the line here. Two days before we left, through a variety of family circumstances, the family asked Sharon to pray for Albert because he was in such intense pain. They didn't know what else to do. And they asked him, can this lady pray for you? And he nodded his head. So Sharon prayed for him and the power of God came on that bed. The rest of God came on him and he immediately the pain left and he just fell asleep. The next day, we were just about to, to leave the following day, come back to America. And, uh, and I was sitting next to my dad, and my, my sister was there, and Sharon got up. She said, I cannot take this anymore. i got to go and speak to that man. I said, go, honey. So I'm praying through the curtain. She walks past the curtain. His eyes were hollow for days now. He couldn't speak at death's door. She looked him in the eye and said, Albert, this is Sharon. I prayed for you yesterday. You're in pain. You're in agony. Can I please pray for you again? And he nodded his head very distinctly. And this is what Sharon said. She said, Albert, it's time to let go. It's time to forgive. It's time to be forgiven. And this is what my wife prayed. Psalm 23. She said, Lord, I pray today that Albert Wilkes, that you will be his personal shepherd today. And as loud as my voice is to you now, Albert said, yes, Lord. The very moment an atheist became a saint with a yes, Lord. He made it in the nick of time. But he made it. Sharon went on and said, Lord, today lead him beside still waters. Let him lie down in green pastures. Restore his soul. She, she prayed the whole thing. She said, may his cup run over from this moment on. Let your staff and your rod guide him and Comfort him. Though he's busy walking through the valley of the shadow of death, let him fear no evil because you are with him. And from now on, let goodness and mercy follow him the rest of his life. When Sharon said amen, the very last words Albert Wilkes spoke on this earth is amen, which means so be it. It was sealed with an amen. I started thinking, what would happen to Albert's soul if my dad was not in that room? If he didn't suffer 
If the gospel was never preached to Albert, he would have been lost forever. You see, we ask why when we're in the wrong procession. And you feel like you it's a hopeless situation, it's unstoppable. But then I realized we were never here. We've always been here following Jesus. He leads us to a place of beauty and glory. Friend, listen. Some of you need to connect with Jesus today. You're one step away from utter brokenness. You're one step away from living the next season out of instead of in. Don't take that step. Let God turn you around. That moment, Jesus resurrected the young man. The funeral was canceled. That widow woman did not protest and said, wait a second, Jesus, I paid good money for this. I'm not a quitter. Son, where do you think you're going? Get in the, back in the, in the coffin. We're going to see this through to the end. Don't be stubborn in your brokenness. Don't be stubborn in your sin. Don't hold on emotionally to stuff that does not matter. Jesus gave him back to her. Guess what? They joined that whole procession of the townsfolk that was about to step out, joined Jesus, and stepped right back in. And they had glory. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Hallelujah. There are people sitting here today that need Jesus. You feel like your life is gravitating in the wrong direction. You have plenty of questions. How, why, where, when, what? And just because God hasn't answered them does not mean that there is no answer to that question. Maybe you should just trust Jesus. God has a a word of resurrection power that He wants to release over your life today. He says, Arise. In the book of Isaiah we read, Arise, shine, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. I'm going to give two invitations here today. You are here today and you say, Rudy, please pray for me. I need Jesus. I have sinned and it's causing me to gravitate away from the blessing of God. I'm not going for towards Jesus. I'm going away from Him and I don't like this. I need a Savior. I need Jesus to turn my life around. I have tried to save myself. I cannot save myself. I have tried to live a holy life. I cannot do it by myself. I need someone to lead me. What you need, my friend, is a shepherd. You are not supposed to lead your own life. You you need to follow the one that can take you into beauty. He's the only one that can save you. He's the only one that can forgive you of your sin. And you're sitting here today and you say, Rudy, pray for me. I need forgiveness of my sin. I need God to touch me and change my life around. If that's you right now and you want to be included in this prayer, quickly put up your hand. I'm going to pray for you right now. Quickly, quickly. Hallelujah. God is speaking to people right now. Hallelujah. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Hallelujah. People meaning business with God right now. I'm going to give a second invitation. You're sitting here and you say, Rudy, you know what? I love Jesus and I serve Him to the best of my ability, but lately something's happened in my life. 
circumstances have kind of taken over. My emotions have been up and down and all over the place. And, and, and although I love Jesus with all my heart, I feel myself gravitating away because of circumstances, because of things that have happened that's beyond my control. I just want to refocus. I just want to rededicate. I just, I just want to make sure I'm not in the wrong procession. I want to step boldly behind Jesus and say, Lord, I want to face beauty. I want to step into that what you have. I don't want to miss this next season of my life. I don't want to spend it outside of your will. I want to spend it in the perfect will of God. If that's you and you also want to be included in this prayer, quickly put up your hand. We'll pray for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All over, up and down, in the back, in the front. God bless you. Everyone that put up your hand, will you stand to your feet with me? We're going to pray a prayer together. It's going to be powerful because God is about to change things around in your life. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. I pray that you will touch these dear, precious people standing on their feet. God, they have indicated that they need an encounter with you. I thank you, Jesus, that right now you see them and you have compassion on them. You know what they're going through. You know the, the struggle that they're in. You know some of them are in the fight of their life. Their spiritual existence is dependent on this moment. And so, Jesus, we pray, not for sympathy but we pray for compassion that you will touch their lives from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet from their body to their soul to their spirit inside out upside down God that they will know that they have met Jesus right now God I see many of them are in the process of taking that step and Lord I thank you that before they put their foot down this morning you have changed the direction they are going the other way now lord i speak prosperity over them i speak blessing over them you are leading them in and not out of your will lord they're going into the green pastures you will restore their soul and god you will even answer questions and lord you will bless their lives never to be the same again we speak that over their lives in jesus mighty and holy name Amen and Amen. You guide me, Lord, you restore my soul. In pastures green, you lead with me. Make my cup overflow. I trust in you. I'm stepping in to victory I'm stepping in to peace Jesus in you Jesus all troubles cease I'm stepping in